Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Divine Lantern. My name is Jonathan from the Antiochian Christian Orthodox Youth and today we continue our series on the Unseen Warfare. We pray under the blessing of His Eminence that we present a podcast to educate, empower and enrich. And in doing so, today we sit down and discuss the topic of technology with Father Theophan. We'll also answer a question from you, one of our listeners, on the topic of sin in orthodoxy, and we'll take guidance from the Philokalia. Don't forget, if you'd like your question answered in the podcast, make sure you send it in as a voice note to tdl at antiochian.com.au. And remember, there are only limited tickets left for Father Josiah's two upcoming lectures in Sydney, so make sure you grab your tickets from akoi.com.au. You can also find tickets to stream it from your local partnering parishes in Queensland and Victoria, so check it out. For now though, sit back and enjoy the podcast. As we continue to hear about the unseen warfare that we battle with, we bring yet another expert guest in, in Father Theophan. Father Theophan has been a dedicated member of the Antiochian community for many years now, and after serving a few as deacon, in mid-2023, he was ordained to the rank of priesthood. He's a captivating speaker, and the way he engages with the audience draws attention of the youth, and this likely comes from his background as a school teacher, a background which I believe will be very insightful in the topic we'll be covering today. So thank you for joining us on The Divine Lantern, Father. Thank you, Jonathan, for those kind words. It's a big blessing being here. Uh, definitely, I'm looking forward to uh, the podcast and hopefully we can offer a little something to the audience. So thank you so much. Thank you. So today we're talking about technology and the effects it has in tempting us. Abuna, what, what are the clear dangers that it possesses? Yeah, good question. I mean, look, like everything in life, I guess there's going to be particular things that can be used for good or for bad. So if we're going to reflect upon the dangers and technology in particular, we need to make sort of this point here. Uh, Saint Maximus the Confessor, uh, one of the saints of the church, puts it in a nice way. He says, uh, food is not evil, but gluttony is. Childbearing is not evil, but fornication is. Money is not evil, but avarice is. Glory is not evil, but vainglory is. Indeed, there is no evil in existing things, but only in their misuse. So this gives us a good vantage, especially when talking about technology, the dangers, you know, to sort of ponder on the actual, uh, you know, uh, use of technology uh, is what's essentially going to be, uh, you, you know, the issue there, whether it's used for good or for bad. And this is where the danger occurs. Um, it's interesting that the first point that St. Maximus makes here in regard to uh, food not being evil, but gluttony, um, in that Father Jeff spoke about this a little bit in one of the previous podcasts. So I think um, to put it in a way that can sort of be tangible here, um, I've just thought about it for a moment, and essentially it's anything that's distracting us. So anything there's, that's offering a distraction, uh, drawing us away from God, whether you know it's to do with technology or anything else, but in this particular context we're talking about technology, um, is going to be obviously not of benefit for us. So that can work across the board uh, in different aspects to do with the use of technology. For example, whether it's social media uh, or gaming or even you know using technology to buy stocks, whatever it may be. Um, if it's distracting us, if we're putting too much effort 
into the use of that technology and we're not focusing on God, we're not giving enough time uh, f- for God and, uh, you know, to come closer to him, then definitely it can, uh, you, you know, and offer a danger. There could be a risk there. Is it something that we're only seeing in modern society, do you think, or was technology seen in different temptations or passions in the past? I mean, yeah, in our modern uh, sort of use of technology, uh, we definitely have it at the forefront. Uh, we're definitely seeing it. But there was other ways technology was obviously distracting people in the past. It might not have been iPhones and iPads and whatever else, but of course there was other means of technologies in the past as well. Um, essentially, it's, you know, putting too much effort into one particular thing or being distracted once again to come back to this theme in one particular thing, any type of technology, then uh, focusing on the Lord. Uh, So, um, yeah, I guess that presents a good paradigm in that sense, in that, yes, it could be somewhat of a new phenomenon in that we have particular types of technology. Um, They're more available, possibly now, in that, you know, we always have our phones in our hands, for example. In the past, we may not uh, have had as easy access to the technology, but it was still there and it could have still offered the distraction in that sense. Yeah. So why is technology an addiction that's problematic for the orthodox Christian? Yeah. Not only technology um, in terms of being an addiction, but any addiction. And I'm reflecting now back on what Father John Mawal said um, a couple of weeks ago in the podcast, namely that the addiction is a distortion of the natural. Uh, So anything there... You know, we're, we're sort of coming into this reality where we're uh, using a particular thing or overusing a particular thing. Yep. Um, and it becomes to that point where, you know, it's, it's becoming addicting and an addiction. Um, it, it can be problematic. Uh, so once again, I uh, draw back to this notion of drawing away from God. You know, anything that's going to draw us away from God um, is obviously a, a distraction. Uh, it can become an addiction. And this is the constant battle that we have. Uh, it, it is a battle. Um, it's part of that, you know, as we've been discussing in this series, that unseen warfare. We're constantly being tempted uh, by doing such things. Um, it's very uh, appeasing. It's very uh, nice to look at, you know, entices us. Uh, so this is part of the reason why we use it. It's easy. It's accessible, like I mentioned a moment ago. So, uh, you know, and then, Aspects of the spiritual life or coming into communion with God, you know, they require effort. So sometimes, you know, as part of being a human being, uh, being involved in that human condition and understanding oneself, it's easier to lean towards one thing uh, than it is others. Uh, So these were a couple of points. Um, As much as it being uh, easily accessible as well, uh, one of the other sort of problems is that it really uh, alienates certain people. You know, when they use technology, they sort of become insular. They uh, move into this space where they're no longer seeing the others around them. Uh, So it becomes something that affects our relationships and the social life of certain individuals as well. So, uh, you know, there's always the flip side. Of course, technology can help, you know, to connect with people that you might not be able to see on a regular basis overseas or whatever it is. You can get in contact with them. But then in the day-to-day living, it can become a bit of a problem when it's affecting relationship with others you know, while seated and being in the presence of others. And it's important here to take note that uh, we have to constantly attempt to be present to the other, you know. So when we're in a situation where there are others around, uh, we have to try our best to be present uh, in that reality, in that space. And we don't necessarily have to be different from one another, you know, but we can be different for one another as well. 
So sometimes if you know you're not seeing eye to eye with a particular individual, you know, you might not want to interact or whatever. This is part of hack, yani the movement, our attempt. So uh, yeah, that, that's a sensitive topic there as well in terms of the uh, use of technology, um, how, how it can become an addiction and what we just have to be conscious of in that situation. And so what you just touched on it there, you said there are benefits such as, you know, overseas calls, um, you know, connecting with people you haven't seen in a long time, maybe even bringing people to church. You know, we see it a lot with social media. What are some of the uh, benefits of technology in relation to our spiritual life? Yeah, look, definitely there are many benefits, um, but obviously for the podcast that we're doing here today, we've got a set amount of time. So I've noted the few uh, that uh, present some benefits. Um, I just want to make note, though, it needs to be uh, used with good intention and in moderation. This is really, really important. So uh, in terms of technology use, if it's being used in good intention, uh, for example, the podcast here, which I had as my first point, uh, what we're doing now, the Divine Lantern, you know, it's got good intention. We're trying to present the message of Christ to a large group of people. Uh, we got dedicated people who are constantly working, trying to bring the gospel and present it in a way to people where it's tangible and they're able to take it on, uh, that's important. So there needs to be good intention and in moderation. Obviously, uh, these podcasts, we only give them for a certain amount of time. You know, uh, that there are multiple podcasts, but even when listening to them, for example, anything in general, you might want to listen a little bit here, a little bit there. You know, because you might want to listen for, say, the half an hour, but you might not be able to remain attentive in that half an hour. So in moderation where you can watch maybe 10 minutes here, listen 10 minutes there, um, you know, jump on either Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is for a couple of minutes here in some break time. So in moderation is very, very important. Another sort of benefit, at least if you're trying to engage in the spiritual life that I found worked really well with technology was accessing the writings of the fathers. So we're encouraged to do a bit of reading um, about the saints and their teachings, namely the fathers and mothers of the church. Um, back in the day, you'd have to go to a library, uh, search for a book, open it up to a particular uh, part of the book, and then read it. Some people would say that's, that's a good uh, sort of method to have, and we should still be doing that, definitely. But technology helps, for example, in that you can get online and just search something now uh, quite quickly, and it can give you you know, either a saying from the father here or a particular text or whatever. So that's another benefit. And then definitely if we're going to think about parish life, for example, whether across the archdiocese or wherever it is, it definitely helps with administration and our logistics uh, to do with these aspects of our parish life. It really, really helps, you know, gathering statistics, making it a lot easier to send messages to people, emails and whatever else rather than, you know, having to send uh, letters via the mail all the time, which is still once again recommended. All of these methods, it's good to still use them and engage with them. Uh, but now we have this other means, you know, that can maybe make it a little bit more efficient. And then that way we're focusing more on parish health and parish life rather than all these administrative, administrative tasks that sort of bog us down sometimes. So therefore, I mean, I, I pray and I ask the Lord to guide us always so that in discernment, we are able to distinguish between the things that draw us closer towards the Lord and those which turn us away. And uh, it's definitely a process, uh, but we must keep going. So Abuna, there was something that you just mentioned there, and it was about using technology for the right time, right amount, and using it for, with good intention. 
I think we saw that during COVID when we had, you know, the lockdowns, we used technology for good intentions because we were locked out of the churches. And so to go back, we were able to stream it to people and feel like we were at church. But then once it finished, when COVID sort of the restrictions ended, a lot of people still wanted that as well. And we got used to viewing it like that. That was a little bit of a temptation for us because we became so used to consuming or being a part. It was like a consumption of church as opposed to being a part of the liturgy. Is that something, you know, where you can see the, the clear differentiation between good intention and, you know, us becoming too comfortable with technology? Sure, yeah, it's a good point, actually. And uh, it's fresh in our minds. Um, uh, definitely. I mean, the technology used something to reflect on there. So at that particular point in time, you know, we were using the technology to support the other. But if you remember a moment ago in the uh, interview we've been having or podcast or whatever... I uh, mentioned the importance of being with the other, being in communion with the other. So yes, we were lacking this at a certain point in time and the technology helped in that, you know, we were streaming the services and we're still able to engage to whatever capacity uh, in the services. But um, the divine liturgy mainly and the services and sort of the liturgical life of the church, sacramental life, it's um, really cognizant of being with the other, you know, being close to one another and sort of coming into communion. Uh, in that sense. So when we uh, started, or more so it was a conscious decision made, when we started noticing people become a bit lax, you know, and say, look, what, what for go to the church anymore? Like actually have to physically be there or physically be at a meeting or whatever else, when we can just watch it online, um, that becomes a little bit problematic as well. So it's a good resource to have. I mean, if you know you're a pregnant lady or you're sick in a hospital bed, God forbid, or whatever else it is, to have that availability to watch something streamed. But if you're in good health and you're able to be at the church, but you're choosing not to be there, you know, for the reason of, you know, being lax and knowing that you can just simply open up an app and uh, watch it online, then that becomes, in a way, problematic as well. So that was, I think, maybe part of the thought process in that sense. Yeah, and that becomes a temptation just to sit back at home and, oh, no, no, I've got it here, and you become tempted, I suppose. Just to wrap up, do you have any, I know we sort of touched on it. I mean, this podcast is obviously great, so please subscribe if you haven't. This is the first time you're hearing this. But what, what technologies do you use that help you personally in your spiritual life? Is yeah. there anything that you use? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, on a day-to-day basis, as an Orthodox Christian, we should be trying to engage, uh, obviously, with different texts and different uh, outlets that the church offers, uh, namely reading the lives of the saints, uh, reading maybe the epistle and the gospel of the day and so on and so forth. There are some really good apps out there that produce, you know, those daily readings um, as well as uh, the lives of the saints. Uh, one that comes to mind is the daily readings app from uh, the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of North America. So you can just download that one, have it on the phone every once in a while when you're able and willing, open it up and those readings and whatever else will be there. Um, we've got Father Josiah Trenum uh, v- visiting us soon. Uh, He's part of Patristic Nectar Publications. They also have an app. Um, They've got a little bit more on that app. They've got uh, readings from the Philokalia. Um, You can listen to the psalm readings. Uh, You've also got the Lives of the Saints uh, read out as well if you're more into listening to it in an audible way rather than reading it. And of course, there's always the internet. There's a lot of resources uh, in terms of websites that we can use with you know, uh, orthodox um, news, uh, things that are happening around the world. Uh, but it's mainly, you know, those couple of things. And then 
a lot of the churches are being involved in now, and especially like you know the Divine Lantern uh, and other outlets, they're being invo- involved over the socials, you know, like via Instagram and Facebook and other outlets. Yeah. So you can definitely you know like or subscribe to a page here and there, whether it's on YouTube or whatever else, and you see that there's regular content coming out. If you can't listen to it there and there, you can just keep it in mind, and then later go back to it and uh, have a sort of listen. There is a lot, but I mean, I just offered a couple that, you know, I use a few examples, but I hope, you know, it's enough to sort of get some people through. Perfect. And obviously, we've got our own archdiocese website, antiochian.org.au, which we have the philocalic nourishment, which is, you know, posted very often. Um, and also all the all the news, as you said, about, you know, what's coming up on our in our archdiocese. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I'm on the uh, archdiocese website every day. Um, there's always articles that come out. We've got the events for the upcoming year uh, that we know are on there and uh, it's easier to follow along with. So, yeah, it's definitely a big blessing having the website regularly updated and it's always good to have a look and check out what's coming up, definitely. All right. Well, thank you, Father. I appreciate it and I look forward to talking to you in the coming weeks about another temptation that faces us. Sure. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you, Father Theophan. It's always a pleasure learning from you. And now let's take our weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our holy Neptic Fathers with this week's Philocalic Nourishment. So take a deep breath, clear your mind, and let's begin. As long as you have bad habits, do not reject hardship, so that through it you may be humbled and eject your pride. St. Maximus the Confessor. We ought to make ourselves each day such as we should be when we are to appear before God. For the prophet Hosea says, Hold fast to mercy and judgment, and always draw close to your God. Saint Philotheos of Sinai It is said that in the life to come, the angels and saints ever increase in gifts of grace and never abate their longing for further blessings. No lapse or veering from virtue to vice takes place in that life. St. Gregory of Sinai What is sin according to the Orthodox Church? And is it possible for one to be sinless?
In Greek, the language in which the New Testament was written, the word for sin is amatia, which literally means to miss the mark. But what is this mark that we miss? It is the goal of all Christians to be in communion with God. The aim of the Christian is to achieve theosis. The further we move from theosis and from communion with Christ, the more we can be said to miss the mark. Theosis is a state of being. The word means to be godlike. Theo meaning divinity or God, and osis meaning state or condition. Theosis or deification is the last stage of a Christian spiritual journey. The Christian spiritual journey can be described in three stages, purification, illumination, and deification, i.e. theosis. Some Holy Fathers present these former stages in different ways and with different terminology, although their central teaching about the journey to deification and theosis is often the same. The Church teaches that no one is born a saint, but grows up spiritually and gradually. Even Jesus Christ grew in his spiritual life, as the scriptures say, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. Similarly, St. Gregory of Sinai teaches that everyone baptised in Christ should pass progressively through all stages of Christ's own life. The New Testament has many descriptions of theosis that provide some clarity on what it might mean to avoid sin and hit the mark. For example, we are reminded that we are God's temple and that he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him, union with God. St. Paul also says, For me, to live is Christ. That is, that Christ should be the centre and aim of our whole life. St. John writes in his epistle, Because as he is, so are we in this world. That is, because of Christ's incarnation and human and divine nature, so do we too have the possibility of deification, which is the communion of our human nature with the divine and total participation in Christ, this side of eternity. So, when we consider sin, we consider it as walking a path that leads us away from communion with God, a deed or action that distorts the image of God that is imprinted on us. Often we relate sin to passions, this is because when one thinks of Christ and how he acted in the world, the passions do not come to mind. Rather, a virtuous life and a fulfilment of the commandments is what is attributed to Christ's earthly life. The passions that remove us from God are pride, lust, greed, gluttony, avarice, hatred, despondency and sloth. Pride or vainglory is an empty glory for oneself and their achievements. Lust is a strong desire for earthly or carnal pleasures. Gluttony is self-indulgence of the mouth and the stomach, a greed surrounding food. Avarice is an intense greed of something, normally wealth and power. Hatred is an intense and destructive anger towards someone and something, a perversion of the God-given faculty of anger. Despondency is a state of discouragement and effortlessness where the person makes no effort and no care in regard to the spiritual state and sloth is an idleness and inaction due to a love for sleep and rest. The passions in themselves are not a sin, but when they are acted upon, that is when we sin. Sin starts with a suggestion, a thought. For example, someone could express an opinion different than our own. That suggestion then triggers the passion. In this case, it causes us to feel angry. But as we struggle or wrestle with that passion, we entertain it more and more and become attracted to it. And eventually, we become the passion we become angry. And then, as a result, we act from a place of passion and that becomes the sin. We yell or discredit our neighbour and cause them harm. Therefore, it is common to think of the passion as the sin, since the sin normally happens when the passion has consumed us. 
The aim of the Christian is to prevent the passion from consuming us by cutting it off. Each passion has a corresponding virtue, a positive attribute. Humility against pride, chastity against lust, charity and generosity against greed and avarice, temperance against gluttony, love against hatred, faithfulness against despondency, and obedience against slothfulness. When observing the virtues and passions, it is clear which of them will carry a Christian to their goal of theosis, and which of them will shift their aim and cause them to miss their mark. The Church often exhorts Orthodox Christians to be vigilant and repentant every day of their lives. As we have said, sinning is to miss the mark and move away from Christ. Moving away from Christ doesn't just mean that we remove ourselves from love and light, it means that we cut ourselves off from the very source of life itself. By missing the mark, we destroy ourselves and move closer to a spiritual death. As St. James teaches in his epistle, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Now to address the second part of the question, is it possible for one to be sinless? All men born from the union of husband and wife have the inclination to sin ever since the fall of man, when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit of the tree of good and evil. The Orthodox does not teach that we bear the guilt of that sin, but we do inherit the consequences of that sin. Because of the breaking of God's commandment, we are forced to live in a fallen world, and everyone born into this world through the union of men and women inherits this fallen state. Only Christ, who was born of Mary through the coming of the Holy Spirit, is free of this sin. Therefore, only Christ is sinless, since he was born not from man, but from God and in his life wholly aligns his human will with that of the Father. Some may say that Mary, the Theotokos, is sinless also. But Mary, being born of Joachim and Anna, inherits the fallen state, as does all men. The Orthodox Church believes that Mary, as a human being, could indeed have sinned, but chose not to. She voluntarily did all things for the will of God and therefore lived a spotless life. Let us follow the example that Christ gives us in the Gospels and the example of the blessed Theotokos and strive to live a life that is pure and sinless. As St. John of the Ladder says, Do not be surprised that you fall every day. Do not give up, but stand your ground courageously. Thank you again for tuning in to another installment of The Divine Lantern, and in particular, this series, The Unseen Warfare. Remember, we have the upcoming talks with Father Josiah Trenum fast approaching, so keep an eye out for our latest on our Instagram page, which you can find at The Divine Lantern Publications, or book your ticket ASAP at akoi.com.au. I look forward to seeing you there, and hopefully you'll hear from us next week in the podcast. Have a blessed week.